This is a car show, but it's also more because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love. And we're here to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. It just dawned on me literally this second as we hit record that this is the day before Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. That you're listening to this. Right. And a couple of years back, my wife was on the podcast answering questions from, how do I put this? Spouses plagued with people with the car disease. And we probably should bring that feature back. We got to find another time of the year to do it. <laughs> Because it can't be today's podcast, because today we have news. You probably saw our posting on social media. There is much, much to talk about. Today is a very special day, everyone. Thank you for joining. We really appreciate it. The topic Tuesday is about the company that Todd mm -hmm. and I recently acquired. Mm -hmm. We have acquired in its entirety Hooked on Driving. Go to hookedondriving.com, and we are the new owners. That's why we posted on social media, Everyday Driver Plus, Hooked on Driving. We've mm -hmm. expanded, we're growing, and now we can provide track days all around the U.S. Yep. At various racetracks, some you haven't heard of, some are very big name racetracks, mm -hmm. through our franchises, through our corporate entity on the West Coast, we can now provide track days. This is so exciting because every time we have talked about finding a track day near you, mm -hmm. we can now say... <laughs> Go to hookedondriving.com. Here's one at this track on this date, which I'm very excited about. I mean, guys, that is the headline. And so, you know, okay, nice podcast. Thanks for being here. No, <laughs> we want to give you the backstory. We want to walk you to how this happened and why it's happening and what it means going forward. And we have to rewind a lot for that. So we want to do that. But let me start right here and say that we have talked off and on, on this podcast, on video, in person, if you've been on our meetups, about the pros and cons of what we do. And Paul and I feel incredibly blessed to do this job. Yeah, yeah. We fought really hard. I mean, we've been doing it for almost 17 years now, which is crazy. Holy cow. We fought really hard to do this for a living. We love what we do. We've gotten to this place with our road trips and that kind of stuff that even the films that we're doing are some of our favorites of all time. And I'm thrilled to be able to say that this far into the job, be able to say we're doing <laughs> right. stuff we love. The flip side, though, is... And I'm sure you've seen plenty of people talk about it. I mean, I made the joke last podcast, I made it before, about all the people with videos about it. quitting YouTube. Because the reality is using YouTube as a distribution outlet is wonderful. I can't believe it exists. I can't believe anybody with a camera ever can go have an audience. I yeah. love that democratizing of the film industry, you know, coming out of the film industry in the, in the more hardcore world and seeing that anybody could be a star or anybody can just get your, your creative work out there. I love that that's possible. The flip side of that is it's much harder to find a large audience in any area mm -hmm. because everybody's yeah. posting. If you didn't notice, everybody has a podcast too. Separate thing. But but everybody's <laughs> right. posting. It used to be a blog 20 the, years ago. Exactly. The ease of entry has made it much harder to break out and break through. Now you go to automotive, which is a smaller entity than a lot of other places you can make money on YouTube. You can probably mention right now, while you're listening to this podcast, the top three or four largest automotive YouTubers that have millions of views. And yeah, they millions of us. subscribers. And there's not us. Yes. Exactly right. Yeah. We've been around almost the longest. I think we and Matt Farah were two of the first channels ever doing automotive mm -hmm. in 07. Jeez. Matt was still living in New York at the time and working with Tom Morningstar. That's, That's how long right. ago that was. Jeez. It was us and Matt. We were out right out front. We were in the beta program for the partner program. So when YouTube first thought, maybe we should put ads in front of this stuff, right after it had been absorbed by Google, we were invited we got a cold email from YouTube invited into the partner program. We were like, well, sure, I guess. We've been on forever. We have never been YouTube darlings. 
and that's okay. There's been, mm-hmm. depending upon the month you found Paul and I in the past 17 years, it might not have felt all that okay. But overall, <laughs> looking at it globally, okay. it's been okay. We've been to TV. We have this great podcast. Thank you guys for listening. We've done feature films. We've had adventures we never imagined. So I want you guys to understand that the entertainment side of what we do, making films and videos, doing test drives, doing this podcast, that's not stopping. That that's not, not going away. Agreed. We yes. are not leaving YouTube. So I want you guys to understand that all of the stuff that you consume from us and the entertainment side of this that we so enjoy will continue. However, we have also realized as adults, okay, <laughs> that this is never going to explode. We're never going to be the biggest things on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We're never going to have this huge nest egg because we're making so much money. It's just throw the hundreds around. Yeah, but even if you are the biggest thing on YouTube, it's difficult to, to maintain over time. I really like where we're at. Well, there's still room for growth. True. That's true. And we don't know what the future holds, which is exciting. But at the same time, the reason you see these videos right now across YouTube of I'm leaving YouTube, two things. One, some people actually are. Two, it's become the thing you're supposed to do a video on. Right. If you're not leaving YouTube, you have to make a video about talking about why you aren't leaving YouTube. Which is because that that's SEO, it's man. Even it's gonna be uh, ridiculous. But but the point I'm making here is even if you're huge on YouTube, you can't stop. Because exactly. the whole thing's it's a treadmill. The whole thing stops. And the folks that are cranking out multiple videos a week and that kind of thing, ouch. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Paul and I have been looking for an additive. Mm-hmm. I, I have said in some of these conversations a pivot, but a pivot suggests we're leaving what we currently do. So I think that's the wrong term. It's an additive. And we had to do YouTube that's manageable for us. The, yes, the for amount sure. of content and uh-huh. output at the quality level that we want to do. Yeah, so it's true. manageable and mm-hmm. not unsustainable if we were to step away for even a day. Yeah, that's a great point. But again, we're not. It's manageable and it's now still manageable with this acquisition. Absolutely. So we have been looking for a few years, honestly, two or three years looking for what can we add to what we do that doesn't require you and I to do more content. Yeah. Because that that ultimately, if if, even if you're doing five to seven videos a week, it's ultimately Mm -hmm. limited by the amount of content you can push out. And because you and I are worried about quality... And also, also, we're not worried about making shorts. We want to make things that are lengthy. Yeah. We are long yeah. content creators. We're not shorts creators. You know, So all of that has a limit. So we are finding those limits and we're finding the place that we're there, – there's the limit and then there's the, the cruise control place where you're comfortable. Yeah. This yeah. is a random thing. But like every fighter jet, if you look up a fighter jet, they have a top speed and then they have a cruising speed. <laughs> we have found our cruising speed, okay? And we're very comfortable, but we love it. It's still a lot of work, but man, we like the stuff we do. Yes. So that is continuing. But what is something that can be a business that we can do that feels connected to what we do that doesn't involve you and I putting our faces or voices out on another piece of content so we can focus on the stuff we do well? There have been a lot of conversations, guys, in the last two or three years. Some of our patrons on, on the board, some of the board member patrons have been involved in some of these conversations. It's been a real learning curve for Paul and I. We keep trying to find something. Meanwhile, we're watching people. Matt Farah made a garage. Doug DeMuro made a, a, a killer website. Killer okay. auction site. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Then you have people like Jason Camisa. And I'm not taking anything away from Jason whatsoever because he makes great work. But Jason is fully funded by Haggerty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Haggerty spends, uh, frankly, on one of his videos, honestly, almost what we spend on production for one of our pieces is one of Jason's videos. One, Sorry, our whole year is yeah, the cost year. of one of yeah. his pieces. Yeah. I need you guys to understand that's the difference in finances. But Haggerty has hired him to get the word out. 
And he has. And he's, he's done, done great. A great job. He's a great yeah. ambassador for them. Yeah. So that he is secure in that regard. We are small business owners trying to figure out what's the security of this reality looks like since YouTube is this weird moving target. We know people that have started restaurants. <laughs> or I'm going to start that, a, that was a shot. I'm going to start a sauce company. And I'm not saying that any of these necessarily are bad, but Paul and I wanted something that felt like it connected. When you heard about it, you were like, oh, that makes sense. And while we are not every weekend track people, the number one thing we have been about from the beginning is find a car you love, become a better driver, go drive that car for what it was meant to do. Mm-hmm. So we are spoiled living in the mountains. We have all these really cool roads. What if you live in the middle of Missouri? What if you're in the, those places in Nebraska where we were going 100 miles an hour in a straight line for an hour and didn't see a body? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> Looking at your fingernails. Like, it was unbelievable. Huh. It was unbelievable. It was just us and the occasional cow for a, for like an hour. Watch that piece. It was when we, for an hour. When we went eastbound, we were this little triple of cars. You and I, the 300ZX, the 928, and the support vehicle doing the better part of 100 miles an hour in a straight line for an hour. It's and I think boggling. we saw a car. So anyway, my point is, if you're in one of these situations, where do you go drive your car and really experience it? That's when a track day is beneficial. And Hooked on Driving is the premier company for that. And it's not a racing company. Because mm-hmm. racing is a whole other thing. You've got uh, the, the, it's a the different amount of money, yes. the headspace. It all changes. We want you to go out and enjoy your car. And Hooked on Driving is the best we've ever found for those days. And that's why we bought it. There's much more to say, but that's why we bought it. So a few years ago... A friend of the show challenged us to 10x our business. You Mm. business owners out there know what that means Mm -hmm. because we were having to operate more and more as business owners rather than just content creators. And we didn't really have a good answer. He said, what would a 10x of your business look like? It made my brain hurt because I was thinking 10 times the videos and I was like, not possible. Not possible. We've talked with family. We've talked with friends. You know, what would that look like? Because thanks to you guys, the growth of the show has been steady. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I, I, again, Absolutely. I want to be number one in anything I do. Todd, I know you want to be number one in anything you do. Sometimes that's not always possible. Yeah. Sometimes there's competition. People are just genuinely better. I mean, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I did grow up with my parents telling me, I guarantee you there's always going to be somebody faster, better, stronger, <laughs> and richer <laughs> than you. I have the world's <laughs> biggest yacht. Oh, crap. Dang it. <laughs> However... I look at where we are at as continued room for growth. And I would rather be on a steady upward trend at all times and all about the future. And that's what we've always been about. And so this friend challenged us, how would you 10X your business? You didn't really have a good answer. We've chewed on this Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a while because how do you 10X recreation and entertainment business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so back in April of 2023, we were approached by a broker who was representing the owner of Hooked on Driving, mm-hmm. whose name is David Ray. David started this 20 years ago mm-hmm. with the exact intention of getting people on track. Yep, yep. Specifically HPDE days, not racing. Mm-hmm. High performance driving events is what that stands for, which is a very different headspace than come race your car. And please don't misunderstand me. You drive quite fast. You're still driving quite fast. You can fast, challenge yes. yourself yes. every time you come. So what that means is it's an opportunity for people who have never been on track before to people who have gotten so good 
they've went on to become actual mm -hmm. race car drivers mm -hmm. with various series. Yep. They've gone up through the program. They've gone up through the, the different groups, the run groups and classes. They've had all kinds of different instruction. They've gotten so good. They've decided I do want to race, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is a different level of dollars <laughs> and time commitment mm -hmm. and what, you know, your entire approach to driving. But yeah, yeah. Should this become a, a feeder series for, for racing? Wonderful. It already kind of is. Yeah. But we also want to pay attention to somebody who's never been on track before. Yep. How do you start? What do you do? We want to empower you, to mm -hmm. equip you, mm -hmm. to have confidence, to bring the car that you currently own, yep. to start with the very first run group on your very first day and come away addicted. Yes, for sure. Wanting more, wanting mm -hmm. to learn more, wanting to get better as a driver. And wanting to meet people, and really it's about the social aspect of things, and grow your social community too. Mm -hmm. Well, we want you to come back because you also liked hanging out with those people. I've been to some tracking events and felt like everybody here stopped having fun. Yeah, yeah. Everybody got so serious about going fast that nobody's actually enjoying themselves Which is anymore. important. We sure. Go fast. Sure. Uh, safety is a priority. I mean, you know, you've heard us joke for years now about safety third. <laughs> Not which, in this situation. Which we picked up from Lemons. Yeah, you know, they, sure. they do that, you know, tongue in cheek in the safety briefing, even though Lemons is actually very much all about safety too. They just wear costumes while they're telling you about yeah. safety. <laughs> costumes. So it's a Hans device. hard to take them as yeah. seriously. Uh -huh. But we are absolutely all about safety. Safety is paramount. Hooked on Driving brings their own safety steward in addition to this track mm -hmm. safety steward. So there's double coverage, and that's very important, not only to drivers and attendees. Mm -hmm. It's important to insurance companies, too. Yes. One of the best, if not the best, actual safety record in the industry of doing this is Hooked on Driving, which is one of the things that intrigued us. One of the other things that intrigued us is... Everybody does this a little bit differently, and I'm not I'm not coming down on those that don't do it. But the thing we like about Hooked on Driving in their structure is if you're a newbie, you actually paid more than the people that are advanced. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, at first it feels like, oh, wait a minute, you're keeping me out, but because you have a dedicated instructor with you all day. Yes. The, what you're paying for is that person sitting right seat and making sure you have a good, safe day and come away a better driver. As soon as you step out of needing an instructor, of course the day got cheaper. The guys that are the most advanced that show up for the day, they need the least help of having a day mm -hmm. other than needing a safe, well-run track day. So it gets less expensive the more advanced you get, which I actually really like because it rewards you to get better as a driver. Mm -hmm. But it yes. also defends you if it's your first day. I want you to have somebody you can lean on all day. I want you to have somebody who's just like, no, no, no. Whatever level you're out, let's go out. Let's go out there and have yes. some fun and get better, which yes. is phenomenal about this. We love that about it. Great safety record. And the other key thing is Paul and I were very consumed with finding a business that we could take on that already runs and is already successful. Yes. Now, of course, as the new owners... <laughs> We're learning a lot. <laughs> there, there are quite a few yeah. things to learn. Yeah. There's there's quite a few hmm, I didn't know about that, which which we're actually thoroughly enjoying. But what we're intending to do is to grow it and help it run better. The other thing that we've been saying to each other, laughing about this, keep in mind, this has been almost a year to get to this point. Unbelievable. Yeah. So we keep saying to ourselves in the first year, don't break anything. Yep. Okay. This yep. is not the move fast and break things. It's the exact opposite approach. This is this is a business that works and runs. Don't damage the community. Don't break the process. Let's continue to have a business that is successful. And then let's, as the new owners, figure out ways it can be bigger and more successful. And one of the big things in our mind is we would like to have those of you that are listening and going, there's never been a hooked on driving event in our area. 
Let's solve that. Agreed. We have franchisees. Yes. You have to understand the structure. That we have franchisees around the nation. Corporate, if you will, the headquarters of this is in David Ray's area. He was in the Silicon Valley area. Mm-hmm. So the San Francisco NorCal area is the home base, if you will, of Hooked on Driving. That corporate also runs the Pacific Northwest. Yep. So the Portland uh, up through. ORP, yep. uh, uh, Portland International Raceway, and the Ridge Motorsports yep. So Park. that's that's actually run by, uh, by a franchise couple that is actually kind It's a weird situation, but it's underneath the corporate um, umbrella. Then the rest of the nation, think about the, the, the coasts. So I'm going into Southern California, across Arizona, into Texas, down to Florida, and then up the eastern seaboard. Mm-hmm. That U-shape of the U.S. is all the coverage of Hooked on Driving right now. We're working on other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's been a week, oh, folks. Oh, believe me, we it's have ideas. <laughs> but we have other franchisees yeah. that are running those events. And so the, the desire for us is to have a, a unified front on all of those franchisees. When you go to the Northeast or you go to Florida or you go to SoCal or you go to Washington, it has a hooked on driving feel. That's the point. And then let's grow it further. Let's get into tracks in the Midwest. Here we are with this great track at Utah Motorsports Campus. Never had a hooked on driving event. Things we're going to solve. We are going to solve that. So in April 2023, we got this email from a broker and Hooked on Driving was not named. Mm -hmm. It was gauging our interest in looking at potentially acquiring a business by this person who was retiring, wanting to step away from the business. And Todd, you called it. You said after we read about it. Mm -hmm. And we got the confidential information memorandum, the brochure. Would you like to sign this NDA? Yes. Yes. So we signed an NDA. We we were curious. And Todd said, I bet you it's hooked on driving. And sure enough, it was. David Ray has founded something that is really the premier standard of HPDE days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But he invited us out to Thunder Hill Raceway in Willows, California in June of 2023. That was part of our due diligence. Mm -hmm. And so we went out and we discovered two things. The first was efficiency different and in our opinion a lot better than other hpde companies how we had seen track days run really efficient designed to get the maximum amount of on track for each group Mm -hmm. and very little downtime and the ability to adjust during the day should anything happen weather car has an off Mm -hmm. whatever happens stuff always happens (laughs) of course it always happens but and and the second thing was community Mm mm-hmm I guess the third thing is lunch. It's always a great lunch, <laughs> which sounds goofy, but people need to eat well and mm-hmm. feel like this is a break. It's excellent food, and that's what Hooked on Driving is known for. I mean, come for the food if you don't come for anything else. <laughs> kind of kidding. But it was this community that really was a lot like our everyday driver community, and that is what you all listening. Yeah, yeah. I also don't care what country you're listening from right now. It doesn't matter. You are part of our community. You are part of the everyday, Absolutely. everyday driver Absolutely. family yes. and community. And we saw that very thing happening between attendees of mm-hmm. this one mm-hmm. HOD track day that was on a Thursday at Thunderhill. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I think, mostly sold out. Yeah, it was. Very well attended, all kinds of cars. And the best part, at least for me, was I saw two McLaren 720Ss in the beginning run group. The beginner group with instructors. With instructors. Which was amazing. Not only were you and I excited, we both got excited about it. Not only were you and I excited about the fact that you bothered to track your McLaren. Mm-hmm. But you clearly haven't been on track before, which is why you're in the A group with a dedicated instructor, and you brought your McLaren to do it. 
And you thought yes. to come here, and now you are safely tracking that very expensive, hyper-capable car in a beginner group. I was, I was ecstatic that to you're see trusting it. HOD enough. Yes, with yes. your car mm-hmm. and the instructors who are hand selected. I mean, I we really look at it as an, an honor for the mm-hmm. coaches and instructors yeah, yeah. that have been built up, and those coaches and instructors and track day operations people. They take pride in what they do, and we saw all that. We saw this community. We almost saw this family kind of thing yeah, going yeah. on too. And we thought, okay, there's some synergy here. For sure. How can we explore this? And negotiations went all the way through early 2024 up until January 31st when we finally did sign and close and the business was ours. And so David Ray was looking for this a right organization to pass along the torch. Really, I mean, pass mm-hmm. along this company because yeah, yeah. it's one thing to create a company, it's like when you sell your car, you want it to go to a good home. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're getting money for it, but you also want somebody to take care of it and grow it and continue the foundation upon which it has been built. The the feeling, and, and this is not a slight because I get it, the feeling on so much of this was it felt like we were negotiating to buy one of David's children. <laughs> he just, you know, it, it, yeah. it, was, it was personal to him. And I appreciate that. That's one of the reasons it has the vibe that it does. And we have... Terry, who is our operations person, and Tupper, who is our lead instructor in Northern California, and they run amazing events. We saw it from the first time we came. There are amazing franchisees. I won't call everybody out because, I mean, they're, they're awesome, but we've got people all over the nation that are running these things. But it's it was awesome to see those two work with David and then start to see everybody else. The number of people you and I have met in the last 10 days is mind-boggling. <laughs> it's insane. It's wonderful, but yes. it's mind-boggling. So watching this event run and then really talking with David about all of these steps and watching his concern for the life of the business after it was bought mm-hmm. was really cool. And and mm-hmm. we were very meticulous because we're those kind of guys and this was a big thing for us. So to our, our to our huge benefit, you guys also have to understand this, back to the YouTube perception. <laughs> this business was not inexpensive and right. YouTube does not create that kind of money. Right. So thankfully, one of our audience members, one of you listening had the liquidity and the knowledge of this going on as a friend, the person that started as a, a fan of the show and has become a friend of ours. And they stepped alongside us and said, I believe in you guys and I believe in this business and I will back you. And without that person, we wouldn't be having any of this. None of this for would sure, have gone on. Sure. So that person stepped alongside as, as, as a loan to make this business happen. And what's so crazy is as we walked through this process, and I think it's maybe where you're headed, the number of people that, we met through this show that have been advisors and friends, and in this person's case, the actual backer, mm-hmm. none of which mm-hmm. would have happened. You and I did not have the liquidity to be like, let's buy a company. Right. But <laughs> right. thankfully, we were able to with support. We asked him, what do you think of Everyday Driver? What do you think Everyday Driver is? Mm. We had our answer in our minds. We make videos and a podcast. Right. We entertain you. We, talk, we do comparisons of cars. That's what we do. He said, I think you're a travel company. <laughs> Record scratch. Yeah. I mean, Todd and I were silent. Like, yeah. You think of us as a travel company? Yeah. <laughs> this is a person who's been on some of our adventures, and that is their favorite thing about what we do. That headspace and now operating from a different viewpoint mm. also helped solidify what this could mean yeah. Yeah, for yeah. everyday driver and HOD to not combine, but to have that synergy. And on that note, we are looking at these as two separate businesses. Mm-hmm. HOD is a premier business mm-hmm. currently running, currently operating, and we intend to grow it and keep it that way, make it more efficient, and make it definitely the go-to thing that 
like-minded people and enthusiasts of all stripes want to come be a part of. Mm -hmm. That's what we want. But over here, we're still making content. We still want to go on road trips. I yes. mean, we've come up with ideas like, hey, what if the next road trip we do, we end at some HOD event on the East Coast. It, sure. The road trip sure. winds through some pre-planned route and we culminate with a meeting. We arrive at the HOD event and hey, we get to meet people too. We'd love to have meetups. I mean, we're renting the track. We should actually use it all day. We well, could but, cater a meal for But that even night. if it's not at the track, you're bringing up a great point, and we've talked about this a little bit. Guys, so many of you around the nation have said, hey, come to our area mm -hmm. and have a meetup. And the problem that's been, this is going to sound like a weird <laughs> difficulty, but up until this point, prior to Hooked on Driving, we can only travel places where we can come back with video. Yes. There's no, there's no, we can't make there's it no work. There's no other justification. We can't, exactly. We can't yeah. justify it at all. And in many cases, this is, this is the cold, hard reality. We go into debt doing our productions. Mm -hmm. Road trips are a great example. Knowing, thank God for our sponsors to make them happen at all. But knowing that over time in the long term, our productions make money. This is a bad YouTube model, folks. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the average... Here's how not to do it. Ab, trust me, if you're starting a YouTube channel, try to make content as fast as possible, as cheap as possible, and that pretty much the minute that it starts making money on YouTube, you are in the black. Yeah, right. We are doing none of these things, but we like what we do, and you guys do too, so thank you. The thing that's cool is, because there's track events all around the country, we're not going to track events every weekend. We, we, we have this job. You can't. Exactly. <laughs> but we're excited to go to track events, various track events around the country, and we'll be able to go to places that we don't have a reason to be there other than hooked on driving. Yes. We don't have anything to film, but we can meet you guys. We can have a meetup. It can yes. be, hey, just meet us at this restaurant. Let's have, or, or you know, maybe we're at the track. I don't know what that looks like. Sure. This is the stuff we're exploring because we can go places. We know when the track is. We know we can get on track. We do. We, we've never been there before, but we can go there just for this reason. So whether we have an event, road trip or whatever, in at a track event or not, there's events we're just going to be at just to be at that event. And then we can see you guys related to the show. So please understand, while there will be plenty of crossover where we talk about hooked on driving events, this did not just become the tracking channel. No, good news. This podcast is going to continue no, to talk yes. about all of your everyday driver stuff. And, yes. you know, I'd like to get a minivan and I've never seen a racetrack. Bring it. This is what the car debates are we for. We haven't seen a minivan on a racetrack. I mean, I think we have. Have we? We could probably do that. Uh, you know, only as a support vehicle to shoot out of. Yeah. We see him as filming vehicle. We've done that before. Yeah. But anyway, so we're going to continue to talk about all of the non-track stuff on this podcast. And our videos are going to continue to mostly be street focused. But we like that there's this next element to go enjoy your car in a place that we know is safe, that we believe in the community. Mm -hmm. That so mm -hmm. we're it's, this is a nice expansion without destroying anything we do. Yes, and I'm excited to meet many of you. Where I'm like, I have no reason to go to that part of the country. Oh, but now I do. Yes, we do absolutely. So as a side note, as part of HOD, we now have the ability to do white label events. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a primary focus of the business. The primary focus is, of course, getting all of you on a great track somewhere near you. What we can do is us or any of our franchisees entertain companies or OEMs mm -hmm. or various car clubs to be able to put together a single one-time track event during the year, maybe a couple times, whatever, mm -hmm. and entertain the possibilities of being able to HOD be the backbone to run the track day mm -hmm. and put on the entire event because you're using HOD infrastructure 
at a particular track to help that particular company have a, a fun track day. In the past, David had entertained various companies. You know, there's car enthusiast clubs at mm-hmm. tech companies and financial service firms and, you know, all kinds of big companies. There's like-minded people find each other. Yeah. Let's yeah, take yeah. advantage of that. Mm-hmm. There have been OEMs in the past. Mm-hmm. When the seventh generation Corvette was introduced, HOD was the backbone for the introduction of that Corvette, mm-hmm. which we didn't crazy? know. We yeah. found that out. Yeah. We've worked with Porsche Club of America, Porsche, BMW clubs, I believe Audi. You get the idea. The thing about this is the the brands are not as important as the fact that there, there are events like this that happen where it's going to be like a one-off track day. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for a group to get a single track day mm-hmm. because tracks fill up very quickly. Getting the insurance for the tracks is hard. This is what Hooked on Driving does. Exactly right. So over yes. the years, various clubs or events or companies have said, we'd like to do a track day, one well, hooked on driving can be the be the infrastructure to put that brand forward and have them be on track, which is really cool. And it's something that you and I weren't even thinking of when we first mm-hmm. started looking at hooked on yeah. driving to discover. And it just makes logistical sense. Of course, hooked on driving was the backbone for that thing because it's hard to do a singular track day. As we say the name of the company more, I realized from the very beginning when we were approached, we had heard of this before because we would, mm-hmm. we were actually looking with other various HPDE companies to partner with for some of our own ideas. Yeah, true. And we came across Hooked on Driving. And it sounds a little quirky, but it perfectly describes Todd and I. And mm. I believe it mm. perfectly describes everyone listening. But it's also quirky and fun and just playful enough to indicate we're here to have fun primarily. Mm-hmm. Safety, speed, let's get better, absolutely. But there's there's an element of fun about it. It's not so serious. And we just take ourselves too seriously. Sure, yeah, yeah. All of those things apply. Safety is paramount for us because mm-hmm. that gives us a good reputation, not only for you to come to our track days, but also for the tracks because we want to be good customers at the tracks mm-hmm. that we buy track time from. That's very important from us because then we get track time again. We want to come back. We want to put on bigger events. We've got so many ideas. There's <laughs> un- underutilized tracks all over the nation that we want to, to put on events to totally. and bring people to these amazing tracks. Well, and we've been doing our adventures for the last few years. And as you've noticed that most of our adventures, one of our, our Utah adventures a few years back actually had a track component, but it was hard for us to put together because again, we needed a track day. Mm-hmm. It was very hard to put that together. Mm-hmm. That, that was the hard of, hardest part of the entire event was setting up that one day. All the rest of it was straightforward. But what we're excited about is over time, pulling all of our adventure elements underneath the Hooked on Driving brand. Because one of the things you pointed out, and you almost just touched on it just there, Paul, it's Hooked on Driving, not Hooked on Tracking. Exactly. So our pilgrimage trip, which does have a track element, but our Utah adventure, our, our Rocky Mountain adventures, these things that are street drive events work perfectly under the name Hooked on Driving. And it will allow us, because we have grown and morphed in a way that has been very exciting, that you guys, as the audience, have driven, mm-hmm. pardon the pun, and that is we've worked our way into being this travel company, which was not what we set out to do. <laughs> We're a travel company? Isn't that funny? I didn't know so that. So <laughs> we can pull Everyday Driver to be more content-focused, and that's the yeah. entertainment element. Mm-hmm. And then the Hooked on Driving element is the adventure or travel or tracking element, and that's really exciting to us. And then there can be flow through both directions. In fact, Richard Damiano actually asked this question about are our registrations for our events going to end up under Hooked on Driving? In the long term, yes. In the short term, no, because they're coming up quickly. We have uh, our pilgrimage trip coming up. That's actually going live in about a week. We have our Utah adventure. We have our, our Rocky Mountain adventure for this year. Those are all coming up this uh, later this year. But that brings me back to another weird element. <laughs> we believe that we were discovered 
because you know us for doing something called a pilgrimage trip every year to Germany and Belgium, to the Ring and to Spa Francorchamps. And because we've put it out there, the trip is out there. We believe that because last year, HOD did two trips to the Ring and Spa Mm -hmm. with -hmm. our friends at RSR under the HOD name Mm -hmm. that we were found because of the similarity there. Yep, for sure. Because we don't do track days, but we do that every year. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're a travel company. We're a travel company. We're yeah. a travel channel now, mm-hmm. apparently. So, great. So, that brings us to HOD trip to Germany and Belgium. It is on hookedondriving.com right now with RSR. This is an even broader trip. It is four days running from Sunday, April 28th, 2024 to Friday, May 3rd, 2024 for back-to-back driving days, two on Spa-Francorchamps, two days on the Nürburgring, mm-hmm. and sign-up ends this Thursday, February 15th, there 2024. There are a few spaces left, but it's almost full. And we're bringing this up not only because Hooked on Driving is part of our ecosystem now, but also because this is twice the amount of track time as we offer on our pilgrimage trip. Mm -hmm. It's probably not as easy for a first timer, but if you're a person that has been on track before at all, Mm -hmm. and you want like, you want to get these days done, you want to really be on these tracks two at each. These are private track days, two at each track, which is very cool and incredibly hard to book. So there are just a few spaces left, but it does close this Thursday. It also still has the wine, Moselle Valley wine region of Germany. It still has a drive through all of that. So it has the road tour element. Paul and I will be attending that trip as we will also be attending our shorter, more typical to what we've done in the past pilgrimage trip coming up later in the summer. But this hooked on driving trip, I, I can't, encourage you enough if you are interested in getting some serious days done because and please don't misunderstand me i'm not saying serious days like only racers can come yeah no i'm not saying that but it's two days back to back so you can refine your skill on both tracks two days on each track that is closing soon but it exists it's one of those weird things where this was set up before the company was ours and we kind of knew about it Mm -hmm. and now that the company was ours we're like (laughs) that's great please do that trip it's really cool yeah hookedondriving.com HOD is how we refer to it from yep. here on out. Yep. We'll just say HOD and you'll know what we're referring to. But we've also had many ideas. We welcome your thoughts and comments. Of course, mm-hmm. you know where mm-hmm. to write to us, TV at gmail.com. But we're even thinking about potentially using the podcast to announce still available spaces and some track days. We could do that. We could investigate and in yep. doing that for, hey, we know of still available slots for specific track days and and encourage you to come to that. Because again, the whole reason that we went through all of this, it's not for self-gratification. The foundation of everyday driver has always been getting others into a car they love. Yep, for sure. Now we can get you on track in a car that you love. Well, in so many of these cars now, if you buy a performance car, you will never see its performance capabilities anywhere near where you live. Correct. It's yes. really difficult. Now, you and yes. I are spoiled with mountain roads, and and candidly, we go to places where there's nobody, so we can explore these limits a little bit, because you can't explore them around anybody else. Okay? <laughs> also, so, please don't ask what we're doing, because we will tell you that we're filming a mayonnaise commercial. Yes, that, that's Chance, become our standard list. Chance instructed us, this is the best <laughs> response, not to be rude, but when people say, hey guys, what are you doing? We will reply, we're making a mayonnaise commercial because <laughs> no one has any more questions after that. That's what you're filming and using all that gear for? Exactly. Mayonnaise. What are the cars here for? No, it, it's a it's a really <laughs> sexy mayonnaise commercial. Moving on, yeah. So so we're very excited about this, as you can obviously tell. And, and we're excited about the fact that it feels connected 
enough to not be like you and I started a barbecue joint, which, you know, I would do, you would be bored, but I would do it. I'm going to start but, a distillery. I'm going to make watches. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be running the James Cameron podcast uh, and <laughs> instructing I mean, fun filmmaking and eating barbecue. I mean, while you can see the connected tissue of those, they don't feel really connected to what we do. And so what we like here is, and, and this has always been important for us, if you would like to be a casual viewer or listener of what we do, we'd like to be accessible enough that you can. Yes. If you'd like to be a person who, you know, I really would like to get my racing license. We'd like to be able to encourage you in that as well. And so mm. this has, has just broadened our reach of getting you out there, enjoying your car and becoming a better driver. And we've said it before, and I'm going to say it here again. I think that somebody having one day on track with an instructor will improve and change their driving for life. Absolutely. Because you haven't done any of those skills yet. Just learning to keep your eyes up, which I have to tell myself half the time I'm on the track anyway. Eyes up, eyes up. I do eyes it all the track. time. Eyes up the track. Because yeah. it's a bad habit to, to look down into your into your dashboard because we all do it how, how we commute. Because we looking at our phones. That's it was why. how we commute. You just look down in front of The car's five feet in front of you. All you got to do is look at his bumper. What's going on around the next corner is irrelevant. So, so all of these skills are so great. I love that we have a place to do it. So we're thrilled about Hooked on Driving. Thank you guys for listening to all this update. As Paul said, we are open to your questions, comments, criticisms. I mean, we get them all. So we're welcome to all of it. And we have many questions as well. Winter is here, and that means it's time to check your windshield wipers. That's right, old wipers can leave streaks across your windshield and simply fail to wipe away the snow, sleet, and rain, which leads to dangerous visibility. For a last-minute, long-lasting stocking stuffer, look to PowerClear wiper blades from PowerStop. Since 1995, PowerStop has brought performance brake upgrades to nearly every vehicle on the road, and now PowerStop is bringing affordable safety upgrades with more than just brakes. PowerClear wiper blades feature RoadView advanced rubber technology to bring you streak-free, long-lasting visibility in all weather conditions. Forget fussing around with adapters and sizes. Each wiper blade kit is matched to your vehicle to include both driver and passenger side wipers with vehicle-specific attachments. You'll always know when it's time to replace your wipers with a built-in wear indicator, too. Head to PowerClearWipers.com to learn more and ensure your vehicle is winter-ready. Speaking of adventures... Billy has asked on Facebook, do we have a rough idea when the summer-fall adventure through the Tetons up to Beartooth Highway? This is one of the Everyday Driver road adventures that's happening this year. If you go to our adventure page on everydaydriver.com, we have all the actual dates listed for pilgrimage, for Utah Adventure, and for Beartooth Highway. We have uh, pilgrimage in June. We have the Utah Adventure in July and the Beartooth Highway Adventure, which I'm incredibly excited about. is going to be early September. We don't have registration open for any of them yet. There are no broken links. They're coming within the next few weeks. Registration will go live. On Instagram, we've got a question from Dammit Patton, who just had an offer, uh, getting a great deal on a 1990 Miata kind of fall into his lap. Hmm. It's hard to turn down. He assumes we've both been in this position before. Not really. <laughs> People don't offer us cars often. No. I mean, press cars, yes, but like a car to, to buy rarely buy happens. Yeah. It seems we've both have been in this position, but do we let it into our life and even though we have zero plans for it or let it go to the next person, financial impact is minimal. It's more like additional storage space and the consolations made in exchange for approval from the MOF. Those are the main drawbacks. <laughs> I mean, yes, track car, right? We know yeah. where you can go track your car now. Yes. There are we have, places we have to an go. idea. Mm -hmm. we, I mean, yes. I. Uh, it depends on the condition of the car, and it yes. depends on if you have any, I suppose, any use for it. 
I guess if you don't, you'll, you'll have to turn it down. But. Well, but Andrew, I would also say this to you: what is just, just what is it. the what is the lim- the financial implications and the implications you with said your MOF? Minimal. I know the MOF but, is more important, but the, here, but the actual yeah. implications in both of those regards. Because I'm going to say that thing to you: we say it a lot, and that is, what about keeping it for six months? Like, like I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this into <laughs> our tracking life. season. Maybe <laughs> we know people that have done that. Bring it into your life and take a real honest assessment in six months. Do I drive it? Do do I? It, it's just mostly sitting because if it is, sell it. Put it, give it, True. Don't make it yeah. sit there. That yeah. that's not good for you or the car. But you could take it on for an actual. And six months has got to be the outer outlier. Maybe even three months, just to see: Am I using this or not? And then you can decide if you need to let it go. Ted Thea Logan says, "Ask for my thoughts on the BMW GTP car. Beaver teeth laid on their sides." He says, "Kind of. I really like it too." It's the new BMW GTP car for IMSA class racing. It looks, I mean, spectacular. The M on the side of the car is enormous. <laughs> and there's no way BMW is not letting you know it's a BMW. Which brand is that? I can't tell from here. <laughs> the design of GTP cars sort of dictates you can't do the beaver teeth thing. So they had to turn those grills on their sides. Yeah. and Which makes it look more like, remember the... the uh, the BMW i8 has the big wide yeah, grills, yeah. and the, and the, the all I the eight that. series cars have had kind of wide grills. As you said, kind of like the Porsche 919. It does look like that, yes. I mean, they all do. They all look Porsches. My eye, they, they all look like Porsches, right? It's all the same. <laughs> Seth on Facebook is asking, quick question: Is it better to teach someone how to drive manual on a new or newer car with a newer newer clutch, or an old car where the clutch is about to need to be replaced? I know I know where you're thinking here, and that is, if they're going to ruin the clutch, shouldn't it be close to needing to be replaced anyway? I, I don't think that the average person learning to drive a manual transmission car is going to ruin your clutch. Wear, wear it? Yes. Put mm-hmm, more wear mm-hmm. on it than if you were just driving it? Sure. Wear it out? Probably not unless it was already on its last legs. But the problem is that a clutch pedal that's about to go never feels right. It has the wrong amount of travel, and that experience is not going to translate as easy easier to a car that is newer. So I say get a newer car with a newer clutch so that it feels like most cars are going to feel that are manual transmission. The problem is that every manual transmission car feels a little bit different than the last one you were in. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. not a one-size-fits-all experience. It is, I'm sorry about the analogy, it is like riding a bike in that get on a mountain bike, get on an e-bike, get on a road bike. The skill's the same. <laughs> the riding is different. <laughs> right. That's what right. driving a manual transmission clutch is like. So I think if you get one that is newer, then it's going to the skill's going to transfer easier than learning on something old. Espresso machine update. Oh, Beaver good. Five asks what espresso maker I chose. <laughs> Lucas, I chose the Gaggia Academia. I'm liking it so far. <laughs> The water tank's a little bit small for my taste, and I want the coffee to be a little bit hotter, but I'm still fine-tuning things. It's not like I'm running an espresso shop here. I'm not <laughs> making a ton of there's, them every there's day. There's not a line. So there, I get there's it. no That's line. Very funny, yeah. I mean, so I, I really am liking it. It's, it's got the milk frother and also the steam wand for doing espresso art, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> I both knew options. you would be. Of course you are. But over here, you're going to be like, look what I did. But what I didn't know is that you cannot put oily beans into it. The grinder, it's a ceramic grinder. It doesn't like the oily beans. The residue is actually not covered under warranty, which I didn't know. So I'm having to look at new beans. 
I do like Illy coffee, but you know, I, it, it's more of a lighter roast is what you're, you're looking for. Not the dark, heavy, oily roast. And that will keep your machine in good operating condition. Has anyone else heard white noise for the past like four <laughs> minutes? Is it just me? Anyway, sorry. That's terrible. Anthony Zerg's writing in actually relates to Seth's comment. He said, okay, I, I know actually because Anthony's written in before that you have an 86. He says, I've been driving for 25 years, and I think of myself as a decent driver. I'm certainly a confident driver in a manual. Why is it that every now and then I get in my 86 and I end up stalling it? He said, please tell me I'm not the only one. Anthony, you're absolutely not the only <laughs> you're one. You're not the only one. It doesn't no. matter. You're, just, you're moving too quick. You're not thinking about it. You're, you're, the, the foot gets lazy. Whatever happens, and you just go, did I really just stall this car that I drive all the time? I have had that experience many times, and you and I jumping into so many different cars makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just driving a manual transmission this morning, but I wasn't driving this one this morning, and now I've stalled it. <laughs> I've done it between three manual transmission cars <laughs> on a shoot. And you're like, do I know how to drive? Don't I do this for a living? <laughs> yeah. And I just climbed another car, and I, I, st I stop it. And invariably, here's the thing. If I do it, Paul and Chance both look at me, and we all start laughing, because we've all done it. <laughs> we've all done it. Yes, we have. Luke Bright 4 on Instagram. Thank you for writing, Luke asks if higher trim equals more reliability. Mm. It's got a Hyundai Kona SE all-wheel drive. Does the higher trim level with more computers and more aids means it's more reliable or does the engine and how you drive matter more? Luke's got a friend who is, has a winter utility car, which is a base model 2008 Honda Pilot. It's nearing 300,000 miles and running like a tank. Mm. Hopefully that means reliable. Theoretically, yes. Not necessarily Trim levels are not even thought about by car manufacturers in terms of reliability. They're, term, they're thought of in terms of extracting more money out of the customer. True, very true, yeah. That's the only mm -hmm. thought. When you add performance parts, it means the car is higher stressed and yeah. potentially yeah. less reliable. You've always heard everybody talk about, like you talked about, Luke, the more stuff on the car means the more stuff to go wrong, Yep. which is yeah. uh, something to consider, but... We like our stuff. We like our espresso mm -hmm. machines built into the instrument panel. <laughs> At least I do. Yes, you do. We, we like all of our mm -hmm. features and uh, the cool new tech and all this stuff. It's, it's very interesting and cool when it's new, but is that still going to work? Hard to say. With every new car, with every new feature that comes out, it's hard to say. Now with four screens in the interior, Maserati Gran Turismo. Well, yes. I mean, I think about the, the Volkswagen Phaeton that I owned. Great example. That had four computers in it two car batteries from the year 2000 and two Ugh. car batteries and air suspension and a bunch of stuff that was really cool but you've just created a bunch of stuff that can break and is all going to age and if you compare that to and i'm sure they were selling one somewhere in europe a manual transmission non-turbo golf <laughs> from the same yeah, era apollo <laughs> okay <laughs> it's probably worth about the same amount of money you probably buy yeah. both for between four and five grand and the golf is probably has nothing wrong with it and the phaeton has something lurking typically it is the more stuff is more scary and that's why especially the the stuff like the s-class mercedes or the range rovers or these things where they throw all the latest technology on it and they sell it as the top trim those are the scariest ones in 10 years mm-hmm mm-hmm I like this question from Vehicle Nanny about peer pressure on Instagram mm, asking, saw this. why do people buy a car based on how their friends think? The car debate last week about the guy wanting the Mustang EcoBoost felt pressure to buy the V8, but why can't people just enjoy the car they truly want? I think they can, and that is certainly the spice of life, right? But 
definitely there's something to be said for like-minded people. You know, a lot of the Porsche people, all the Porsche nerds find each other somehow and we're <laughs> nerd out on Porsches. Yes, like, for aren't sure. Aren't they the greatest? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Did you see my jacket? <laughs> yeah, look at my socks. <laughs> I'm thinking about buying a 912 to put next to my 911 just so I can have both. What if I put a 912 with or the interest of the... Oh my gosh, freaks. stop. Yes. But hey, the BMW people get together and nerd out. Yes. And the Lotus Pick people all want to go on a drive together. And talk about something they took out of their car because, and how much it weighed. This is and the thing. The flat I am I am a Lotus person. <laughs> and the hysterical thing is when a Lotus person takes something out of their car, invariably they will tell you how much it weighed. I'm what? like, I do not care. Well, you know, I put on a different muffler and I save this much weight. I get it. I am a Lotus freak too. Colin would have been I proud understand of you. ad lightness, but stop weighing parts. Look, we all anyway. have our tribe, right? But what we want is, hey, you, you like the Mustang? Hey, we like Porsches. Hey, you like Lotus. You like the Toyota GR Supra or GR86, whatever it is. That really does make it fun. What's been interesting, Vehicle Nanny, is that the diversity of cars that has come on some of our adventures has made people want to swap keys instantly and be like, I've always wondered about that. Never yeah. had a chance to drive it. Yeah. Hey, I've got this car. You want to drive it? And before we can say, Bob's your uncle, the keys have been swapped and they're down the road. Sometimes people have just taken off like at lunch or before breakfast. They're like gone. We're like, okay. You and I give <laughs> the dad parent meeting. Where we do. We, we, do, we give the driver's meeting. And invariably, at some point in the driver's meeting, one of us will say about the fact that we welcome and encourage car uh, vehicle swapping, but we don't insist on it. And what's funny is there's always a couple people during the briefing that start looking at their shoes because they've already swapped keys. I know. We haven't even brought it up yet. They like got there and handed keys back and forth. Yeah. I mean, the, think about it this way, though, Vehicle Nanny. Pick a place in your life. All of us end up caving to those around us. Or if we don't cave, we are influenced by those around us. Mm -hmm. Your spouse, your friends, mm -hmm. your group that you don't see that often, but when you do, you have to come off a certain way. Yeah. Now, I look, look at my hair, okay? <laughs> I clearly don't conform very hey, well. you have hair. I do, so, but I clearly yeah. don't conform very well, all right? But there are certainly places in my life where I'm like, you know what, you can have that. I'll just, I'll conform, I'll do that, that's fine. And then there are places where I don't. And some people have a lot of trouble not feeling like the group. They don't want to be the outlier, even among their special friends. Sure. They're friends that normally completely embrace them, but in that one area, they want to be over here, and they're like, it just feels uncomfortable. Everybody has a different tolerance level for standing against the crowd. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. cars is one that is very difficult for most people to stand against the crowd because we want to be accepted because cars are already an outlier thing to love. True. So if, if and this is one of the things I love about the Park City Cars and Coffee. There, there's, there's a lot of Salt Lake cars and coffee groups, but one of the things I've struggled with in Salt Lake and elsewhere is you wind up at, oh, this is that group's cars and coffee. If you right. don't have muscle cars right. or you don't have JDM stuff or you don't have stuff from the 90s. And I'm sitting here going, don't we love cars? And the Park City Cars and Coffee, even though it gets crazy because of some of the money here, is the broadest I've ever seen. True. And I True. love that. And what's interesting is to watch people walking around, especially some Park City people where money's no object, they'll look at some jalopy and be like, I love those things. <laughs> I've got four of them. Well, maybe. Pro <laughs> they probably have a nice one made by Singer. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> right. Anything made by Singer. Nick on Instagram says, because he knows we've done a lot of road trips. I love this question. Do we have a road trip kit or what we bring on all our adventures? He has a trip to Arches coming up in April, and he's wondering if it's a good idea to kind of keep some stuff on hand for the road. 
I, Nick, I don't know what your car is. If your car is a modern car, the chances of something going wrong on it are slim. And I know that we as prepared people and car people want to take all the stuff we might need. But unless you're going somewhere where no one's ever going to be, you need roadside assistance, honestly, from anything big. But I'll give you the little ones. I'll give you the one that I swear by, and that is you need a jump starter. Yes. Battery Tender has a great jump starter, and uh, it's a tire inflator jump starter combo, which we're a big fan of. We love the Battery Tender products. We have one of those. This is the thing that I find. I've had random cars do this of all ages at the least opportune time. You come out from your hotel room, and you turn the key, and it just sits there and mocks you. That's the worst because you could call roadside assistance. You're in a town. Somebody could come. But if you can pull the jump starter out of the back of your car and start the car, it'll be the last. And it won't do it the rest of the trip. That's the thing. It'll never do it again the rest of the trip. True. I hate that so much. And it has happened to me it's on new cars, physics. old cars. We've had press cars that have done it where it's like this yeah. car is like five minutes old and it, it dies in my driveway. And I pull out the jump starter and I kick it off and it never does it again. So jump starter is a very small thing. Now, they used to be monstrous. Now they're like the size of four phones. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're really cool. small. So carry they're one cool. of those. If you have a car that has any known leaks, then carry whatever is leaking. Coolant <laughs> yes. is the obvious one, yes. but coolant, oil, whatever. If you have something where it's not a problem, like the car is not going to break down, but it is leaking that object, then carry that thing. Basic toolkit, basic fluids. But again, a lot of snacks. <laughs> snacks is better than toolkit because the reality is snacks. most people aren't going to know how to fix the thing that the car broke on the side of the road. Yeah, You're going to be towed to your nearest town. But jump starter is the thing. By the way, use the code every day for 10% off your order at batterytender.com. Michael Simpkins on Facebook says, do we think the death of the manual transmission is very near? Seen the current list of all new cars offering a manual and it's very short. Actually, it's like 20 cars. There's quite a few. There's I think, a lot I think right it has now. been overreported. I don't think it's that close. And I think it's the, the death of the manual transmission is uh, too soon for that. Because, Michael, there's too many enthusiasts who actually work at the car companies who are actually in charge of deciding what they should sell next. Mm. And they're actually recognizing there's a lot of enthusiasts out here in the world that do like manual transmissions and do want to drive them. And there still is a business case. We've reported on it a lot in 2023 throughout our podcast, noting sales of, of manual transmissions. I don't think they're going away, but get this. If there's a car sold in 2023 with a manual transmission, it behooves the manufacturer to sell parts for the next decade. True. At least. Even if they cut it off and no more of their cars have manual mm -hmm. transmissions, they're still selling replacement parts true. for a long time after that. So Very they true. might as well still have some models that actually bring customers in the showroom. You know, that, that really special GR Corolla, it's not for me, but I'd like the one down mm. or I'd like something different or mm. whatever that is. That's still kind of a, now a halo car that's, I think, replaced the supercar in showrooms. Oh, interesting. they make a manual cool whatever yeah. car doesn't matter the price well and the other way to keep this from dying i'm sorry but i have to beat this drum we have to buy them we have New. to buy them. we the collective we we we, we the collective car enthusiasts what we all love to do. and paul and i have recommended used cars and we love used car bargains i mean come on we bought cheap sports cars and cheap sedans and we love the used car market autotempest.com can allow you to find anything but the reality is we like to sit around we the collective car group like to sit around on the internet complain <laughs> throw darts about the fact that there are no manual transmissions while we only buy used cars we have to buy the new ones with the manuals so the manufacturers go oh you're actually buying those exactly and this is what yes. porsche discovered now porsche's not everybody but this is what porsche discovered when they took away the manual transmission on the gt3 because it's a track car it's faster to use the pdk nobody's arguing that 
But when they brought the, the manual transmission back, guess what? More people bought that. So you have to buy it, and then that changes things. Mitchell E. on Facebook asks, if he's the only one who thinks it's weird, there isn't more a more off-road-focused GMC version of the Encore slash Trailblazer. Hmm. How does GM determine what is Buick and what is GMC? <laughs> Coin flip? Darts? <laughs> Blindfolded darts? Maybe it's a pinata? I really don't know. I lament the fact that the new Blazer, well, I know it went EV, but the prior generation of Blazer mm-hmm. just before this new EV mm-hmm. thing. The Camaro with the... Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it yeah. wasn't like the, the Bronco the yeah. or the Scout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, why, why doesn't it look... Like that for the offer, like a Wrangler or something like the classic Scottsdale blazer that we all know. And yes, love. for sure. Why that's mm-hmm. blazer. This, you know, sort of misshapen line thing that looks like every other SUV. That's not a blazer. That's just the blazer name on some thing. Imagine you're the product planner mm. at GM. You have to make a business case. You want an off more off-road focused version of it, but you mm. have to bring a business case to your superiors to show mm-hmm. that there mm-hmm. in, is indeed a market that people would buy that brand and that people associate the brand with off-roading. Well, GMC certainly is. Buick certainly isn't. I mean, I feel like Buick is in the category of Chrysler now. It's like, what do you, you guys are still around? <laughs> well, but China loves make? China loves Buick. Yeah, China loves Buick, mm-hmm. but like, did you switch to espresso machines? Like, what are you guys making now? <laughs> We're not sure. Buick. Coffee. <laughs> I don't know. Chrome-plated coffee. Something. Anyway, Andrew on Facebook is asking about the second-gen NSX. He's kind of obsessed with it. He said, why do we think it didn't sell well? He said he's in love with it. He's saving up for one. He'd love to have one in the future. He said, I understand the development took a long time, but he thought the end result was fantastic. Why didn't it sell well? This is interesting. Now, first off, the gestation was long. What they thought it was going to be when they first started versus the, the actual offerings when it came out were quite different, which is part of the problem. But I'm, I'm going to theorize here, Andrew, and I'd love to hear your thoughts too, Paul. When the first one came out, it put the industry on notice. What on earth is Acura doing? Why did this come out? It was great to drive. It was easy to drive. It was straightforward to maintain. And it was all the inputs were very analog and perfect. Now, while on one level, you can't put the industry on notice again. That's very hard to do. But you've (laughs) created what the NSX means. It means cheaper, more involving, and easier to live with than the competition. The new NSX Mm -hmm. comes out. It's less involving because it's now all-wheel drive. It's hybridized. And there's no manual transmission. Mm -hmm. So it's super tech-heavy. And frankly, its closest competitor, if you look at the build sheet, was the Porsche 918 Hybrid. Yeah, So here, 100%. You, in, in that regard, it was not even a quarter of the price of the 918 with technology like the 918, which is amazing and is a throwdown. But that's not at all what you think of when you think about the first NSX. The first NSX wasn't trying to be a hypercar. It was trying to be a usable, accessible supercar. And the NSX is trying to be, if you will, Honda's version of the 918 hypercar hybridized, more technology please thing. It's not that it's not cool. It just, it leaves, I think, what people were expecting. I think the closest thing to the second gen NSX is the Amira. That's pretty good. I think you're right. And that proves my thesis. And that is, I think there's too much of a jump between the first and second generation. I mean, yes, in years, but that also necessitated necessitated a jump in technology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The second one is nothing like the first one. Mm-hmm. The The build sheet is, it yeah. just says NSX on it. It looks nothing like it. <laughs> the tech is different. Everything's yeah, different. That's a good point. 
it's so different that there's there's not a generation 1.5 or 1.8 yeah, that's good. or good if there'd been a guy in the middle something yeah, or okay. one or two generations sure. to get us to what is more tech Honda also teased it for way too long, yes. like a decade. Yes. And they kind of had a problem with one burning down by the side of the ring after that it had some hot laps. And that's bit of an issue. not good in the minds of enthusiasts. If no. your new hot sports car, the, the hallowed NSX. Talk about a hot sports car. Catches fire. Uh-huh. That's not good for the rest of us. Clayton Troxell is asking me about what I did at Autodesk. He uses Tinkercad to make base models for 3D printing. But he has no clue about them beyond that. Well, actually, it was started with AutoCAD. AutoCAD was the first Autodesk product Mm. back in the early 80s. You remember three and a half inch floppy disks. This predates that to five inch floppy disks. Load your AutoCAD Mm. on five inch floppy to load up your software. (laughs) Remember when computers used to tick when they were loading? Oh, yes. So it was a version of an electric pencil is what AutoCAD used to be. And it has come a long way since then. But Autodesk has grown. They have made it more known that they're more in the construction industry and certainly manufacturing. But cars are big, expensive products, and they're very much a part of that. Over the years, they have grown and acquired 200 different software titles, probably Mm. close to 300 at this point, to support as... Competitors have popped up. They'll either consume them or integrate them or a merger happens. And the Autodesk name became ubiquitous. So many current software platforms Mm -hmm. still use as the foundation that you don't even know. It's still AutoCAD behind the scenes. AutoCAD is very powerful. But I had used two different products. Uh, One was visualization called V-RED. They had made an acquisition called V-RED. It stands for Virtual Reality Editor. Mm-hmm. And the other was Alias Auto Studio, which is Class A surfacing. That is the exterior finished surfaces of the mm-hmm. vehicle. That is career software. And so as a designer, I'd used both of these. And Autodesk was looking for a subject matter expert to travel to the automotive industry, mm-hmm. not only understanding. I had to have a degree in car design yeah, and yeah. understanding the design process, but to find efficiencies and help their design team do more, better, faster, quicker. So we mm-hmm. started at that time. This has been five years now. More than that, six. Jeez. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Started to implement VR, remote VR. So studios mm-hmm. around the world can be looking at the same data set and be interacting. That is fully what they're doing now. It's really cool. And then, of course, Class A surfacing. There's two companies that make Class A surfacing on the planet. One is Katia and the other is Autodesk. That's it. <laughs> Who did you buy? If you see, Clayton, a vehicle rolling by, I guarantee you that it will be made with Autodesk Alias Auto Studio, the exterior surfaces. Mm-hmm. There's other engineering programs and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, Companies yeah. use kind of whatever. Yeah. But it was always so funny to find out that Apple used Auto Studio for their computers to design the exterior of their computers, mm. all of their products. And I think they still do. Mm. We wanted to, to kind of put that out there. But it was such a funny thing to come come to find out. They were running Windows natively on their their desktop Macs. Of course they were. Because that was all that Auto Studio ran in, and it was mm-hmm. much more powerful. Even though we did come out with the Unix-based Mac product. Sure, Because sure, sure, Auto yeah. Studio was founded on a Unix-based system, but that was later. But they were running Auto Studio natively on a native Windows install on their Macs, in their design studio to design Apple products. <laughs> we went, that's sort of scandalous, isn't it? And they're like, we don't care. <laughs> but or, you can't say anything. Yeah, we couldn't say anything at the time, but they're like, we don't care, whatever. So they, the design team clearly runs things and they set the tone with the, their sculpting. Now there's even more uh, polygon modeling that you can use to get to your final services more quickly. It's absolutely fantastic. And I really did enjoy what I did, but it was a lot of travel. And I was building Autodesk. 
we weren't building everyday driver mm. and now we get to build hooked on driving too which is it's really cool. so much more fun that's it's, what i want awesome. but you know i was in i was in the creativity the thick of things i saw the model 3 before it even came out i was at mm-hmm. tesla's design studio Crazy and stuff saw the stuff and i couldn't talk about it yeah. we were podcasting yeah, yeah. then and i couldn't say yeah, a thing for sure. i was like i've seen the new thing coming out and i can't tell you and you'll all hate it <laughs> <laughs> or something. Oh, wow. You saw actually a lot of things, not just Tesla stuff. You saw a lot of things prior. And when it would actually be dropped, you'd be like, there it is, Todd. I'd be like, really? That's what I've been talking about this whole oh, time. You're man. like, oh, that thing? That's so, not attractive, yeah. Uh, my counterpart during that time, he also just left Autodesk. He's now the visualization manager at Scout Motors. Mm. Scout, you've heard of, Very is coming cool. back. And James Cronin, a uh, friend and colleague, he is now the visualization manager. So that's cool. all those images that you see, they're not AI. They're created by people and then visualized mm. using Autodesk products. Very cool. That's what I did. Guys, thank you so much for writing to us. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. Your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, most of all your car debates. And we promise there will not be news of this scale for a while. We're just excited to grow the brand <laughs> and have this brand with us. Everyday Driver and Hooked it. on Driving together is so awesome. Thank you for writing. Looking forward to hearing from you. Looking forward to next time. And we're looking forward to getting on track too. Yeah, we are. Cheers, everyone.